Tonight, we're going to, I guess, start a series um, looking at the book of Philippians. Now, last year, the, the Lord started to, or late last year, the Lord started to deal with me about, um, or, you know, kind, kind of make, get me to think about doing a bit more teaching this year. Um, and with the, the focus and our, our mission this year, um, that was confirmed by the Lord. So I want to be obedient to what the Lord has put in my heart. Um, and he, he laid Philippians in my heart for quite a while now. So we want to start looking at the book of Philippians. Now, it would be easy just to open the, the book of Philippians and start at chapter 1, verse 1, and read through, and we will get to that. But in order to understand a book, we need to understand a few things, some background behind the book. We need to understand what kind of a city was Philippi, what, who lived there, what, what sort of people lived there, and, and what sort of a background did that city have. We also need to know the background of the church of Philippi. Does the Bible tell us how the, the church of Philippi was founded and the answer to that is yes and we'll go into some detail for that so tonight i just want to lay some foundations before we start looking at the actual book of philippians whenever we get to the second part so background of the city of philippi this is um an excerpt from Brian Kinsey's book, Philippians, The Bride's Prize, uh, which is uh, something that goes into uh, looking at the book of Philippians and uh, uh, delving into depth. The city of Philippi. Philippi was originally known as Cronides, or the place of fountains. Philip of Macedonia, the father of Alexander the Great, conquered Cronides in 356 BC and renamed the city after himself. In 168 BC, Philippi, along with all of Macedonia, was conquered by the Romans. In 42 BC, Octavian, who would become Augustus Caesar, defeated the Republican armies of Brutus and Cassius in the decisive Battle of Philippi and made the city a Roman colony. J. Dwight Pentecost comments, This meant they had the same rights and privileges as Roman citizens as did the residents of the city of Rome. They were under the special protective care of the emperor. They had all the privileges afforded by Roman law. Like residents of Rome, they were given privileges of freedom from taxation. They had been made Romans, although they lived in Macedonia. As a consequence, Many of the Roman soldiers chose to settle in Philippi instead of returning to Italy after they had completed their military service. Thus, Philippi became a little Rome. Roman in its loyalties, Roman in its law, Roman in its philosophy and outlook. It was here the apostle came to begin to penetrate the continent of Europe with the gospel of salvation. So, Philippi was very much a Roman city. Philippi served both as an outpost of the Roman Empire and a checkpoint against the the Thracian tribes of the mountain country to the north. It was also a significant stop on the Via Ignatia, 
a major east-west road extending some 500 miles across what is now known as the Balkan Peninsula, uniting the ancient city of Dyrrhachium on the Adriatic Sea with Byzantium gateway to the Black Sea. Though the Roman road was not constructed until the second century, the route existed earlier and facilitated trade between Europe and Asia. Because of Philippi's status as a Roman colony, the major city in its province and its position on a prominent trade route, Philippi was a prosperous city and the ideal starting point for the spread of the gospel into Europe. So it was known for its trade. It was known for being a prominent city. It was known to be part of um, one of the major travel routes of that time. So it was a place that many people went through and a place that had a lot of people trading and, and doing a lot of things um, within that city. So if I could uh, get the next slide. So Philippi doesn't actually exist anymore. It, in, in a war, long, long forgotten, well, I haven't researched it, um, it was destroyed. And so this is what is remaining of Philippi now. So that's just one of the views of Philippi that I believe is part of the marketplace. Next slide, please. It had a theater uh, where people went uh, to hear people speak or plays, whatever. Next one, a different view. Um, you can see a better view of, of the theater and, and just and just what it would have been like to go onto the stage. Um, this is the forum. Now, a forum in Roman cities in antiquity, it was a multi-purpose, centrally located open area that was surrounded by public buildings and colonnades and that served as a public gathering place. Next one. This gives you a, a really good view um, of a large portion of the city, well, the center of the city. The forum is there in the foreground at the bottom, and the market, which is quite large, is there in the background. So you can see that a lot of trade and a lot of uh, people gathering together was done within that city. Remember that cities are not uh, millions of people like they are today. And so that was a, a reasonable size for what needed to be done. Okay. So, we've had a look at the city. What about the church? The Philippian church, when did that start? How did that start? What were the circumstances under which it came about? We read everything we know about the beginnings and the background of the Philippian church in the book of Acts unsurprisingly. Paul and Barnabas wanted to go on a second missionary journey. They'd already been on one missionary journey and they wanted to go on a second missionary journey across Asia. But they had a disagreement about bringing John Mark with them, who was Barnabas' sister's son or his nephew, as Colossians chapter 4 and verse 10 states. And this John Mark had left their first missionary journey early due to the persecution that arose at that time. So Acts chapter 15 and verse 36 to, um, goes through that. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord 
and see how they do. So let's go to all the places we went in our first missionary journey. Let's, let's go see how, how they're doing. Let's encourage them. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So as a result, Barnabas went off on his own with John Mark to Cyprus, and Paul took Silas with him on his journey. In Acts 15.39 continues, And the contention was so sharp between them, between Paul and Barnabas, that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. They didn't just go out in their own um, thoughts, but they went out recommended by the grace of God. This was a God thing that they were going to do. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. If I could get the next slide, please. So what we have here is a map of Asia in Roman times. It's split up into all the different Roman provinces, um, for want of a better word. So you can see Cyprus there at the bottom. Um, that's where Barnabas and, and John Mark went. But Paul started his journey in Syria and Cilicia here at the bottom. Right. Um, in terms of where everything is, uh, if you go south from Syria, um, you'll hit Israel. So he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. Acts 16.1 says, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which were well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Right, if you see that map again. So, Lycaonia is just above Cilicia. So Lystra and Derby were, um, were actually cities of Lycaonia, um, as Acts chapter 14 and verse 6 states. Timothy will become an important part of Paul's epistle, epistle to the Philippians. So this was not a chance uh, encounter. Acts 16.3, him would Paul have to go forth with him? He wanted... Um, Timothy to accompany him on his journeys, his missionary journeys. And he took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep with, that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Right. Acts, oh yes, all right. I don't think we need that at the moment. Acts 16.6. Now when they had gone through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, so if we have a look at the next slide. So they'd gone throughout Phrygia there, um, to the left of Lycaonia, and the region of Galatia, 
just to the right and above. And they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, Asia isn't actually going to appear on this. Asia was uh, a large grouping of Roman colonies. Asia refers to Asia proper, proper or proconsular Asia that encompasses Mycia over there on the left or in the middle, Lydia, Phrygia, and Caria. Okay, so there's four in, in kind of a, a, a circular route there, right on, on the left side, before you get to the Aegean Sea. And that is, is an area, a total area that closely corresponds to Turkey today. So that's around about where you would find Turkey. So that is Asia, those four different um, areas. Okay, Acts chapter 16, verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So, where are these locations? Well, they went to Mysia, which is part of Asia, but the Lord forbade them to, to speak. And they tried to go into Bithynia, which is above Mysia, so at the top there. So, they were trying to stay within the same continent. Um, they weren't even thinking about going anywhere other than, than that general area there. And they came down to Troas, which I didn't actually look where that was. But when they were in Mycia, they saw a vision saying from Macedonia across the Aegean Sea. And so they took that to be a call from the Lord, as it correctly was. And so they changed course. They changed tack from what they had originally planned to do. The thing with going out to serve the Lord is that He will always direct and He will guide and He will lead you. You don't have to worry about all of the details. He will do that. The fact that Paul didn't know where God wanted him to go wasn't an issue. He was just called to go out. And he went out. And so he did the only thing that he knew to do, and that was to go over the churches that he'd already preached to. But God had a different plan in mind. He wanted the gospel to reach over the Aegean Sea, into Macedonia, into Epirus, into Achaia. He wanted the gospel to go forward into places that had not gone before. And God has a way of directing if we are sensitive to his spirit. Philippi was one of the chief cities of Macedonia and the first city where Paul started preaching once he arrived. So in Acts 16 and 11, uh, it says, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, 
And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So God was starting to do things in that city. God was, was bringing people into the kingdom. God was starting to raise up a church in the city of Philippi. But as usual, not everything was a bed of roses when Paul preached in a new city. Many, many times there was opposition. Many times things started to happen. Something always seemed to happen when Paul preached in a new place. Acts 16, 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer. So they were continuing doing the same things. They were continuing to outreach. They were continuing to, to, um, to build up the church and, and instruct and teach and, and, and help them to grow. As they went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. She could tell the future. And she was obviously quite, quite correct in what she did. But there was not a power of God. It was a power of Satan. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. They got some free advertising from, from a person you would not expect to do free advertising, someone who was working with the power of Satan. But she did it, and they, they, were, they, they tolerated it for a while. But Paul, being grieved, he had enough, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. And when a master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. So we saw the remains of the marketplace. They were brought into that large area. They were brought to the rulers who were there, and they. it, it must have been a city that, that put a lot of of substance in, in making money. I had a large marketplace and, and there was a lot of trading and buying and selling going on. There were many people coming into it, bringing goods from different places. It was a major route. And so when the masters saw the hope their gains were gone, they had to do something about it. They, they wanted the, the problem fixed. They wanted justice to be done, or as they saw it in their eyes. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. They had no love for the Jews. The Romans, in general, did not have much of a love for the Jews. The Jews were the ones that rebelled against the Roman rule. The Jews were the ones that, that tried to... Um, tried to fight against them and, 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 uh, and tried to win back Israel. So the Romans had no particular love for the Jews. 
And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. There was no way they were going to go anywhere. There was no way, nothing they could do to get out of this. There, there was no way that they could do anything about their situation. They were there to stay. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. One way, one way to be a great witness unto the Lord is to worship God when things are the worst in your life. That is a witness that goes beyond much, that goes beyond mere words. We can tell people about Jesus. We can tell people that we love Jesus. But when people see that we worship God no matter what, no matter what our situation is, no matter whether we're going down for the third time, there is something that happens. There is is something that, that says, wow. There's something that says, maybe there's something in what these people are, are saying. Our words alone mean very little, especially in this day and age where everything is taken with a grain of salt. People, there are too many fakes, there are too many charlatans, there are too many people that would try um, just to, to convince people with, with flowery words. But when we follow Jesus and we can do that even in the worst of times, then that is a real witness to those around us. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. The, the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. That must have been an incredible witness to the jailer because none of the prisoners could see him at that particular point in time. There there was no one in the same room as him. He was going to take his own life, and the only people that knew about it were himself and God. And God reached out to that man at that time. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He saw the power of the gospel. He saw what God could do. He saw miraculous things that happened that night. He had probably heard the preaching. He had probably heard as, as they went to the, to, the, um, to the river. He probably heard preaching as, as Paul and Silas would have preached and, 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 and not just, um, not just uh, stayed at the river. He would have heard it, but the, what, what really brought it home to him was this incredible, powerful miracle that had happened. The Bible talks about signs and wonders following the church, and that's exactly what happened. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved in your house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. There was no need to delay. He knew that this was the truth. He knew that this was the power of God. He knew 
without a shadow of a doubt that there was something real in this and that he needed to follow Jesus. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Don't know of history ever recording a jailer bringing a prisoner into his own house. But it happened here. And that is only by the power of God. And when it was day, the magistrates sent to the sergeants saying, let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, they have beaten us openly uncondemned being Romans and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privately? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. Paul had the privilege of being a Roman citizen. And the law was that they could not, they needed to have a trial before they could be judged, before they they could have a a punishment put upon them. And so they hadn't realized that. And so Paul had the upper hand at this time. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, And they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to to part out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Next slide. Good. Uh, From memory, uh, Troas is actually on the coast of, of Mysia. And that's where they went to Macedonia. Um, Philippi is, is uh, uh, towards the right-hand side of that coast in Macedonia. Paul never returned to Philippi during the rest of the second missionary journey. He actually um, went down through Macedonia, down into Achaia, and then... Uh, through Crete, uh, back towards Jerusalem. A mention of Paul's treatment in Philippi during the second missionary journey is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2. 1 Thessalonians is one of the first of Paul's epistles to be written and most probably his very first epistle. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2 says, But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. All right, next slide. Thessalonica um, was, uh, was in the region of Achaia, down the bottom, near that, that little thin strip. And to the left of that. Thessalonica. Oh, sorry. No, wrong place. That's actually Corinth. Um, Thessalonica is also found in Macedonia. Um, it's actually a bit too, um, to the left of Macedonia. And uh, Thessalonica is also found in Macedonia and was also founded in Paul's second missionary journey. Paul didn't let the persecution in Philippi stop him from preaching in Thessalonica. 
which probably had a very similar city makeup of Roman citizens. Because Thessalonica was also made a free city once conquered by Rome and was made the capital of the Macedonia region. It was also given certain tax exemptions just like uh, Philippi had. Paul most probably returned to Philippi about four years later as part of his third missionary journey, as mentioned in Acts chapter 20 and verses 1 to 6, which, go, which starts, And after the uproar was ceased, this is an uproar in Ephesus, um, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece. And there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. And there accompanied him into Asia, Sophita of Berea, and a few other people. These going before tarried for us at Troas, so all the way back over the Aegean Sea into um, Asia, into Mycenae. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days. The last um, references to Philippi and Macedonia that we find in the Bible outside of the book of Philippians are in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 16 and verse 5. Um, first, I think there's a map. Oh no, never mind. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5, For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. So Paul, once again, didn't have a great time in Macedonia. It's probable that this book of Second Corinthians that we've just looked at was written from Philippi at this time in the third missionary journey. So he would have been talking about very recent events. So, Achaia, um, book of Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, um, in Achaia, um, near that very thin part in the middle, um, is the city of Corinth. The rest of the information we know about the Philippian city and the Philippian church comes from the book of Philippians itself. And that's where we'll start in the next lesson. So thank you. Please stand.